So in um, in the meantime, is anybody drinking anything? Nothing. We're all water here. <laughs> you know, actually, I um, I'm actually not drinking tequila. <laughs> I'm just getting over this like really bad sinus infection, and so my doctor put me on antibiotics, and you know, that doesn't go too good with tequila. So, um, no. unfortunately. I'm not sipping on tequila tonight. <laughs> well, you would have really surprised me. Just like, yeah, I'm just having a beer. <laughs> I, you know what? Like a few weeks ago, I went to this um, brewery in uh, downtown Fort Worth. It's off. It's in Soma, and they had this really good cider. And I, you know, I'm not really a, a huge beer drinker, but I mean, or even a cider drinker, but that was something new and I really enjoyed it. Like, it was really, really good. And you said so, Soma? Um, yeah, it's in, it's South South Maine, which is like a area in downtown Fort Worth, but it's short for Soma or yeah, that's what we call it, Soma. It was a really, really good brewery. Okay, so, yeah. so you are a Fort Worth native. Uh, I'm not a Fort Worth native. I've been living in Fort Worth for seven years, like six years now, I think. But um, I'm from Texas, but no, not Fort Worth native. I love Fort Worth, though. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it is. Let's see. It's like it's almost seven eight. And I think I have done my due diligence. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. So welcome, everyone. Welcome to Being Black and Craft. This is Angie, one of uh, your moderators, along with Kendrick, part of the Mod Squad. And, of course, we have our mantra, which is, we don't apologize for recognizing our influence on craft beer. And I have a couple of, I guess, church announcements and a little bit of a review before we get into with our guest. So, fun facts so far um, for Texas, because I guess that's what I know the most about. So, we are going to have a Black-owned brewery coming soon in Dallas, Houston, and Austin. A trifecta, almost. So that's going to be Smidox in Dallas, for the culture in Fort Worth, and um, Austin, I guess they were talking about urban, yeah, urban jungle. So those are coming along very well. And it is what a week before barrel and flow. So everyone's getting it ready for that. But I wanted to give the floor to Hendrick to tell us about um his experience at Weather Souls. If he's sober. Nah, nah, I mean, he was I am. drinking. Yeah, that I am. Let's see. I don't know. This guy. Can y'all hear me? I don't know why my thing ain't uh, connecting. Okay, cool. All right. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm on a uh, road getting ready to establish. So, uh, Weather Souls, it was a good time. I was only in for a short time because I had to come back to uh, had to come back to Houston. I was gonna uh, watch that fight that night, but it was it was a good time. Not overly crowded. Um, it was good that you was able to uh, just go around and get all the beers that you want. They had all the guest taps being poured outside, and they did have ten. And of course, it's still Texas, so it was hot as hell. Um, but it was a good time, man. It was a good time. A lot of people um, showed up, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't overly crowded to where you couldn't get everything that you want to. Uh, 
Uh, like I say, for me, my rule of thumb when I go to these festivals is like maybe three albums would be good enough for me, and that was pretty much how long I stayed. Uh, the VIP people got in at uh, 12.30, and um, by 3.30 to 4, I was wrapping it up. Yeah, but it was from like 12.30 to 7. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it was a, it was a, good, it was a good, little, good little situation, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, glad that he got it done. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the bottles uh, were selling. Uh, he had this double barrel, um, double barrel rail rider that sold out before anything else. So, got a chance to try that on tap, and it was pretty damn good. So, yeah, much success to Marcus and, and the staff over there. Okay, so let me ask you a couple of questions because these are a little bit vague to me, and that's because okay. I'm not a VIP as you are in that land. Um, so do you, is that one of the perks that you get as, as far as being a VIP, or is that something like an additional? So the VIP members, really, it was really about just getting... Uh, to the festival a little bit earlier. General admission was uh, at 2. Um, and so VIP members were able to get in at 2.30. It also came with a custom um, bottle opener that was made by uh, this dude uh, pretty up there when it comes to bottle openers. Uh, do they them Hicks. So that was good. Um, it came also with a uh, meal. And uh, like I said, uh, um, everybody else, of course, got the unlimited pours, but it was just, you know, being able to get early entry, uh, the custom opener came with a, uh, with a five ounce taster glass. And so, yeah, so, yeah, so it was mainly like a few perks, but of course, once everything opened, um, they still had bottles, uh, that was available for everybody to purchase. Um, he came out with three different, uh, three different versions of it this year. So everybody was still able to, uh, go in and buy bottles, even you know, starting at two o'clock when, when the general mission came in. So did you, uh, I know you said that it wasn't that crowded. I know you didn't say that long. So um, in previous times, you, was it more like, okay, I'm glad that I went ahead and bought XYZ because it's going to be, because it's gone? Or do you think he just prepared and just had a little bit more excess? You know, honestly, I really can't tell because, you know, it wasn't as packed as I really thought it was going to be, which, you know, a little shocking because that the well rider beer that he makes is like his uh, biggest, biggest, like most sought after beer that I, that I know of that's in, that's in his lineup. So I was kind of, I was still, uh, I was shocked that there were still bottles available, even like I said, to the two o'clock. I mean, there's, there's been times to where you could go to Weather Souls and things would sell out while you're still in line. And so um, when I pulled right, in, right, right. yeah, so when I pulled in, there was, you know, there wasn't a line. Which, I mean, of course, it's Texas heat, so I can't really blame people for not wanting to sit. Um, you know, there was times to where he used to have lines, um, you know, starting at six, seven o'clock in the morning. So, and I've been in those. So, yeah, so. But it's you know in the in the, in the heat of the summer, so I can't. I'm not. I'm not really shocked that it wasn't too many people just standing out there for it. But yeah, the bottles lasted longer than than I thought it would. So maybe he did make more than anticipated because once I saw that he had, they had made a post probably like the day of stating that it was going to be like no limits on bottles, and I was like, yeah, they must got plenty, plenty left and settled. So, so yeah. But like I said, um, the beer's damn good, and uh, yeah, it's just. You know, of course, it was just that, that hot heat. I can, yeah, they had these tents out there, and that's where at least probably like 50 plus folks was just standing all up under this tent. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just stay mm -hmm. on the inside for that one. Yeah. So, yeah. And my last question is because I saw uh -huh. pictures, but it seemed like a little bit of a sausage fest. Were there any uh, women there? I didn't yeah. see a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. it, it definitely was. Okay. Okay. And I really didn't even get a chance to uh, take many pictures myself because, I mean, um, I was playing Proxy Man that day and I had like 30-something bottles to pick up. So, And with them bottles just sitting off in that car, I had to keep going outside and the remote starting to make sure that there's some air was circulating. So, yeah, I didn't even get a chance to take pictures like I normally do. But, but yeah, it was, it was one of those. 
Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Cool. For sure, for sure. All right. I appreciate the uh, follow-up. Oh, no problem. Very good. So, let's go ahead and um, I'm going to do one last round before I introduce our guest. Is, it, is anybody else drinking anything right now or had anything great to drink like Kendrick did this weekend? Enjoying some Petacola's Great Scott. Okay, God. Nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, moment of truth. Um, we're still doing some things. Uh, I think it, national or international tequila days. That was just a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Yeah, it was just last week. Uh, yeah, national okay. tequila day. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I have been trying since um. Cinco de Mayo to get uh, the people that I know or have been uh, told, you know, talked about as far as that are in the tequila industry. And I had the pleasure of me- meeting Ricky in person. I was like, oh, she was like, yeah, I have, uh, I own a tequila uh, company. I said, I know what that is. I, I've heard of them before. And I always love the branding. Uh, make sure that y'all go and uh, look up Ego Tequila on um, IG. All it has really great um, graphics as well as recipes and things that you may not have thought of or maybe some classic things that you need to kind of remind yourself of. But I am excited to talk with Ricky, owner and uh, woman of woman of uh of excellence in Texas to be a part of the tequila and distilling spirits industry. So welcome Ricky. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Angie. Yeah. So what we usually do here, I'll ask them ask some questions, nothing real crazy. And um then we'll open the floor for anyone else that may have anything else uh as we have you know, have this talk about 10 to 2 minutes. If that, is that okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Right. So, uh, before we really started, we found out that you are a native Texan. So what part of Texas are you from? I was, uh, I'm from the East Texas area. I was born in a really small town called Sulphur Springs. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> heard of it, but it's yes. super country. <laughs> um, but I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up there. My mom moved us out um, probably like a year or two after I was born. And we went and stayed with my aunt. She lives in uh, Denver, Colorado. So we stayed with her for the time being until we moved back to Texas in 06. Yeah, that's a really big jump from one place yeah, to the other. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So after you, you come back and I'm wondering how did you find yourself in tequila as far as even like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a drink of choice of choice for me. When did yeah. that, when did that love affair start? Yeah. So um, when we moved back to Texas, we moved to a city called Allen. So um, I spent most of my teen years in like um, the beginning of my like twenties in Allen um and i remember one night i was out with some friends and we went to this like hole in the wall restaurant and uh some of my friends like had a really good connection with the waiter and he was like look we just got this new tequila in i'm gonna give y'all all some shots like compliment complimentary shots and i'm like all right now keep in mind like i mean i've never i mean i was 21 at the time and i was not like a a drinker. I, I did not do any like underage drink or anything like that. I really was not like into that. But I was like, you know what? I mean, it's free, whatever. Like, you know, let's just try it. Let's do it. And um, I've always heard the bad stories, like people like about tequila. Um, you know, people always seem to have a bad hangover, hangover from tequila, or you know, they got lit at a college party. So I was kind of like bracing myself for this shot, but all of us were. But um, 
when they when he gave us the shot and like we all took it like i was really bracing myself but that was the smoothest shot i had ever had well that is the smoothest shot to me that i had had um i mean it went down so great it was super flavorful and i mean we were all taken aback and like ever since then like tequila has been my go-to spirit um i don't get into any other other spirit or whiskey or anything like that Actually, now that I'm in the spirits industry and I've been really open-minded, my mind has changed a lot to other, like being more open to other spirits, but I'm always a tequila girl. I've I've been the tequila girl ever since that shot. <laughs> well, there's no problem. not a bad thing. And oh, so yeah, no. That, that kind of leads me into, I guess, what would, I'm a new tequila drinker. Mm-hmm. Just, Shoot me, shoot me back 20 years. I'm new to tequila drinker. And of course, um, I'm inundated with Casamigos, um, mm-hmm. Patron, and everything else that you can find at your local club. Mm-hmm. What should I look for in a good tequila? What, what do you think makes a good tequila? as far as um, searching it out. Absolutely. What makes a good tequila, and I, um, actually, let me start by this. When I got into the industry, one, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be really transparent and blunt. It was hell. <laughs> it was, it's a tequila industry and the spirits industry in general can be a hellish industry. Um, and it was very humbling for me because in the beginning, I was like, oh, I did a lot of research. Let me just get started. Let me go ahead and get my brain going and launch it. But uh, once once I launched, um, yeah, I had to go back and do a lot more research because I was finding out more things, you know, about, um, you know, what a lot of tequila consumers and tequila aficionados, what they look for in a really good tequila. And so I was like learning all that over. And from what I have learned, like at this moment, what I've learned what to look for in a good quality tequila is um where is the tequila actually coming from um there are a lot of brands out there that say like 100 percent blue agave tequila and that's true they do come with it's a they're distilled out of 100 percent blue weaver agaves but most of the time what is sitting on the shelf are tequilas that are filled with additives now some of them are mixed those and then some of them you do have they just say 100% blue weaver agave, but that doesn't mean that they, they that they don't have additives in it. And I mean, that that right there really humbled me. And I had to go back to the drawing board and just be like, you know, let's just do a whole revamp because I want to make sure that what I am standing on and what I'm providing my consumers with is a really good quality tequila. And I also want to educate people on what it is to look for in a good quality tequila as well. So I would say before you even go to the store and you say, hey, I want a tequila, just spend a couple minutes and look online and be like, just search up this tequila and be like, okay, does it have additives in it? Because I mean, the information is out there on the internet too. But um, just really know what you're drinking. Like just spend a few minutes, pick up a bottle, just do your research on the internet and be like, does it have, does it have additives in it or not? And the best way that you can verify that too is Tequila Matchmaker, which is a database that houses every single tequila that is produced out of mexico um hold on Ricky. go ahead say, sorry. say that again say, say that again and say it slower because i didn't get it sorry tequila matchmaker okay okay yeah never heard of um that. so that's what i was yeah um it's a really good data uh, database they like i said they house every single tequila out there um and it shows you where that tequila comes from um and everything you need to know about it so yeah, I would give that advice. If you're trying to look for a good tequila and you go to the store, just spend a couple minutes on the phone or on your on Google, just looking up tequila and everything it's about to just, you know, just to know that you're getting a good quality tequila. Just look at the reviews and everything too for it. And maybe not so much looking for the height um, because I think that a lot of people see, oh, this person has XYZ on the bottle. Or it's such and such stuff, and yeah, they're just you know lending their well, they're saying that they're helping, but they're just for the most part lending their face. 
yeah yeah um, to to the tequila mm -hmm. so you, you started on one thing that I, I do want to I want to uh, go back to, but I just want to hang back one second on the tequila mm -hmm. and the additives. Mm -hmm. So additives, as far as like um, tequila is not supposed to necessarily have vanilla flavoring mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. um, what other like odd uh, additives would you that maybe someone that's like you know I'm at a I'm ha I have a tequila flight I was like got you it's not necessarily supposed to be in here because that would that would be considered for us like an odd right. flavor or or an mm -hmm. adjunct for for the beer community so what would the additive be oh. that should not be in like traditional tequila yeah um so there are four different types of additives so you've got like a sugar additive. Um, like a sweetener that can be put into the tequila to obviously give it its sweetness um, and to kind of like hide that. If it's a really bad tequila, it can hide the burn or that harsh bite. Uh, the second one is glycerin, and that is it, it has like um, it's supposed to mimic the texture of tequila, like for mouthfeel. It's supposed to just make it feel a lot better on your palate. Um, the other one is oak extract. So I think there's like oak extract and vanilla extract. And then the other one is caramel coloring. Um, those are like the four main types of additives. And like, depending on what, like if you're, if you're drinking an aged tequila, so a reposado, an añejo, extra añejo, like you can have some vanilla notes in there, depending on what kind of barrel they use to age, to age it in. So, I mean, that's not uncommon to get vanilla flavoring from a reposado or an añejo in anything aged but if you're looking at a blanco and and you get the vanilla notes i mean i would i would to me i would be like oh, okay this like may have some kind of additive in it um yeah and then i don't I, I think i can say this but um i think i can say this i know when i went to i was just in jalisco back in december and um there are some distilleries out there that are using because you know tequila is in such high demand um and they're producing so fast to you know keep up with the demand that a lot of the times like they it takes too long for them to age like if you need a reposado you have to wait you can wait at least seven months or longer um but to speed up like the coloring process they'll take wood chips from a barrel and like we'll put it into another barrel like we'll put it into another barrel to like agitate it, I guess, like it leaks out the coloring and like, you know, it just makes the tequila darker, which that is definitely not a, it, that's that's not okay to do. Um, I mean, that's definitely cutting corners, you know, but um, mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I knew ways, um, yeah. doing, doing my work as a brand ambassador, um, Finding out that molasses is something that is found that that uh, additive that people would put in to kind of give that sweetness mm. and something that bite to it. Okay, so I, was like, I, was very, I was very surprised with that. But yeah, that I definitely could see them using those and mix those as well. Like, yeah, okay. I, I mean, that's not, see, learning something new every day. <laughs> okay, so, molasses. So let's go ahead and dive into um, the rebranding or re, re uh, the new and improved Ego Tequila. But I want to go back to maybe like day one or even month one of <laughs> Ego Tequila. So how long have you been in business? How long has the brand been out there? Mm, we just surpassed July 8th was our, our two-year mark since we launched. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, let's go back to month one, month two. Mm -hmm. When Since you said launching, yeah, yes, even okay. la launching and even kind of just having these conversations of I want to make tequila. Mm -hmm. How was it? Because you said it was hard. How yeah. was it for you being in the space where it's predominantly male? Yeah. Center. 
Um, so, I mean, there, there's definitely some difficulties um, in a lot of areas of just like operating a brand. Um, <clears throat> I think in the beginning I was kind of naive because <laughs> again, I, I'm thinking I did all my research, but man, there's just so much that goes into running a brand. But in the beginning, I I got my foot in the door by just talking with TABC consultants, working with like a boutique, a marketing firm. The marketing firm that I actually was working with, uh, the lady that co-founded it, her dad owns Dripping Springs Distillery out in, um, out in Austin. And so they already had some knowledge in the they already had some knowledge and background experience in the spirits industry. So that also was like a huge help with just getting my brand launched. Um, and then just had kind of having the idea of like what I wanted the brand to look like and be like. And, you know, I just used that and oh also and finding a distillery to work with obviously to help develop the the profile of the tequila. So um you know I had all of that like I had all of that down and was able to get it up. And oh COVID did not stop me because I started this in 2019 and um you know the pandemic i mean people were still drinking spirits and tequila uh that definitely didn't slow down but it also didn't stop me either um so probably in july of 2021 i was able to launch in the texas market you know there was a lot of momentum behind the brand there was a lot of support behind the brand it did really really well we sold 150 cases in the first three months but then then uh, we hit a supply chain issue with our glass. Now, and I don't know, I have a feeling the beer industry was definitely affected by this too, uh, but we couldn't get glass. A lot of other spirits brands, they couldn't mm-hmm. get glass either. Jose Corvo or Diageo, I mean, everybody could not get glass. And so I, I have a feeling the beer industry, like beer suppliers also experienced the same thing. But it took about yeah. four or five months to get back in stock. So that was a really big, hurdle to navigate uh that and then also i changed distributors you know the distributor i was working with at the time he was very uh small local owned um and he was just i mean the guy was just i don't know he was he was just not a good person but i just kind of looked at it as you know you need to get into the industry like you need you need to start somewhere like i had to start somewhere and then just go like like everything else can be worked out later and which i did so um, during that time, as we were out of stock, I was, uh, I signed up with a new distributor. They're the third largest distributor here in Texas. And also kind of just developed the game plan of what I wanted my brand to look like going forward. Um, I felt like even launching that summer, it felt like more of a test launch because I just wanted to see how the brand would do and also get the feedback from customers and people who aren't customers just what their thoughts were and, you know, just take it all in and go from there. Okay. So do you feel like that was, um, cause you're, cause, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, because I'm thinking that, you know, just broadly, as far as what I'm hearing is the normal steps that you, that would happen when you're trying to develop a brand was there anything that any roadblocks that you had being a woman of color with even getting being seen as legitimate mm. yeah wanting to to be like yes i'm tr- yes it's just me it's it's me it's my brand it's not my husband's brand it's not my boyfriend's brand it's me. yeah i am behind yeah. that so yeah. i wanted to see if you can talk a little bit about that and what <laughs> that challenge was and how maybe you were able to kind of maneuver from that challenge yeah um so when when i launched to um Again, like I said, I was a little naive. I really was not, I was not expecting the brand to have that much momentum. You know, we were doing a lot of PR and everything and I wasn't prepared for that. Like mentally, I didn't know how to handle that. You know, like I, I just didn't know, like, you know, people were reaching out and things like that. I, I just didn't know 
how to handle like accepting it and getting like recognition. It was a really big deal for me. Um, so I kind of struggled with one of the things I struggled with was imposter strength, imposter syndrome. And I still struggle with that today. And the second thing too, was like you said, just, um, you know, people understanding that, that it's my brand. I definitely have walked into stores and have said, like, this is my brand, you know, did my spiel and told them my story. And they're like, oh, my God, you're the owner. Like, and sometimes I find it really refreshing because, like, to see people's faces light up, like, oh, my God, like, this is your brand. Like, this this bottle, this packaging is amazing. This is you. And then some people, it's just kind of like, um, you know, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, a Black woman made this kind of brand, you know? <laughs> I mean... I, I get it all. And you know what? I'm I'm learning to just kind of just like accept that, you know, like just just take it. I mean, people are always gonna react how they want to react. But um yeah, I think I think that's just something I have to get used to. But you know, the the imposter the imposter syndrome, that is something I struggle with just because uh again, like I said, when I launched, that was a lot that I wasn't prepared for that was like thrown at me uh, doing like a lot of interviews and articles. I was just like, I mean, I know this is my brand. I know I'm legit, but um, like, I don't know. I just like, didn't feel like, like, am I, am I worthy enough? Like, I know I am, but it was, it's just a lot to navigate. Um, yeah. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of people talk and I don't know, it just gets to you, but I also think that yeah. has something to do with mm -hmm. just being like more confident and I think doing more interviews like coming here on here and just speaking about the brand um that really helps putting myself out there more uh attending more networking events doing more events for the brand um just letting people know about my story and just getting out there and just embracing the brand that'll definitely help me get over this this hurdle so yeah. <laughs> well, I can I can definitely uh, can see how that would be um, a hurdle in imposter syndrome. I think everybody has a little bit of it. If it's not currently somewhere mm -hmm. down the line, you've had it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just the fight with yourself because you know you have it. You mm -hmm. know you have the ability, but just like. But I still had to step out there on faith. I still had to put myself out there and be um, be wrong. Yeah. And that's yeah. what Oof. makes it very difficult. So right. I commend you. I commend you for that because you're standing out there ten toes down by yourself. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. I've so had that, some embarrassing that, moments. That, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, just sit in your embarrassment and just accept it, move on from it, embrace it, you know. Yeah. And how did you, I mean, how were you supposed to know that you were going to be the first, you know, because my assumption is, because I don't know of any other woman-owned tequila brands in Texas. So I could see just that part being interviews and <laughs> wanting to talk to you on that alone. And then, oh my God, it's actually good tequila as well. So let me talk to you some more. So yeah. I can see how that can uh, be a turn of events. Yeah. So yeah. I know that you go to Jalisco, uh, Mexico, which mm -hmm. is like the premier place to go and get your tequila. If you, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Jalisco, Mexico, then there's the Highlands, almost like uh, Scotch. They have Highlands in Mexico as well, um, where, or, or it's in the Valley of Jalisco, da, 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 uh, mm -hmm. as far as where you can get your tequila in the Blue Weber Agave. Uh, mm -hmm. That is something that is drilled in to be the most cream tequila. So mm -hmm. when you went out to, um, now I'm thinking of, now my, I got my cigar hat on. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it into the same mode. So when you go to go, uh, to go to do the distilling to find a location, are you going to XYZ family that owns this patch of land or do you own the patch of land how does that work and how much Spanish did you have under your belt oh you gosh oh gosh yeah no when I 
first went, I went like a few weeks before um, like everything shut down in March of 2020. When I first went, I went with my, I brought my friend with me and we stayed with her family in Guadalajara. And um, I definitely didn't know a lot of Spanish. So that's why I brought her because, you know, she could translate. And um, it was, I mean, it worked out perfectly, her coming with me. And then I stayed with her family and yeah, she just helped me translate. And, um, but I'm getting better. I've been back three times. Um, no, I've been back three times ever since I first went. So my Spanish is getting a lot better. Um, I'm definitely not proficient or fluent, <laughs> but I mean, I can understand, like, I could definitely navigate my, my way around the city. Um, yeah, I don't think that would be a big That's issue. Important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But um, have you ever, oh, no, go ahead. Um, oh, no, I was just going to, I don't think I was going to finish that by saying when we, I stayed in Guadalajara, which is the city of Jalisco. And so we went to a city within the Jalisco or um, anyways, we, the distillery is located like an hour or two from Guadalajara. So we have to like drive, I mean, you have to drive to the, to the, the highlands um, to go toward this distillery and everything. And um, so I don't own any land out in Mexico. Uh, we work with the distillery in the Highlands. It's a family-owned and operated distillery. And um, this distillery is located in the city of Verandas. And um, they also have their own like plantation or agave plantation. So they source all of their agaves on their own, using their own. Uh, sometimes they may source from, if they have contracts, because some people individually own Agave, agave lands or plantations, and um, all they do is just sell their agaves to distilleries. So we work with a distillery that has its own agave land, and um, it's in the Jalisco, I'm sorry, it's in the Highland area. And in the Highland area, the, so like the agave is sourced from that region. It plays a huge, the environment plays a huge impact on how the agaves will taste or how the tequila will taste. Uh, that region has like a higher elevation and the soil is more dry. So um, typically the agaves sourced from that region are like more earthy, uh, fruitier, and um, they're, they're, like the tequila is very agave forward. So the, uh, the agave that we use uh, for us folks that want to do alternative sugars, that's the same agave. Once you got a call. So Ricky, I was asking the agave that that is being sourced is the same agave that people who wanted to look for uh, sweetener alternatives. That's the same agave that's used to make tequila, right? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, it is, but I don't know. I mean, there are plenty of agave sweeteners out there that mm. are good. I, I don't know what area they come from. Um, okay. It could be a it could be a mix too. Mm. <clears throat> Some tequila brands have use a mix of highland and lowland agaves. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know I don't know what um like sweetener like the brands like what their process is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, it just kind of threw me out there when I was thinking about, oh, it's the yeah. same agave. It's just, if I had just distilled my agave that I have in the first, in, uh, in my cabinet, what can I get? Mm -hmm. It's some tequila. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I passed, we, there are some um, agave like honey factories in the Highlands. You know, they do oh. the sweeteners, but um, yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't really know a lot about like agave sweeteners or the honey. And like how they, what the process is behind that and where they get their agaves okay. from. Yeah. Okay. So this will be my last question before I open up to the floor. What makes Ego the brand that you think customers should try? What makes you stand out above the rest? When I started Ego, I, I wanted something different. 
something that stands out from the mainstream. Um, you know, this industry is really dominated by like celebrity and vanity brands. And uh, you don't really see a lot of black owned brands dominating the industry. I think there's only been one, I think spirit brand in general that, that had that had like a successful exit, you know? Um, Uncle Nearest is absolutely doing really well. Um, but just in terms of like a really big brand taking over the industry and dominating it, I don't see that. And I really don't see that in the tequila industry or the tequila category. And I wanted to just create something different for consumers that are looking for an alternative tequila, something that is cleaner, that's really good quality, um, that they can actually get behind the support, that it's not uh, operated by some huge supplier, uh, and that they know when they're drinking this tequila, they're not only they're not only getting a really good quality tequila, but they're also getting a good experience. And um, you know, we also want to in the future we want to bring consumers different variations of tequila, not just a blanca, a blanco, and a reposado, but we also want to bring them tequilas with different that are aged in different type of, types of barrels. You don't really see that on the shelves. Um, and I, I want to just, I want to bring consumers something that they can just really enjoy and really get a good experience off of and not have to regret it the next day. Because mm -hmm. you don't have to have that. And I think um, we talked talk to, uh, when we talked to um, Tequila with Friends, I was mentioning how we uh have got to get away from taking shots taking shots for tequila. Yeah. That's not that's not the intent of tequila. Tequila yes. is meant for sipping to mulling over to have with a cigar if you like. Mm -hmm. Um or just sit around and just chill. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um that's really great. And I know that you were um in some different stores, like local stores, and you're also, I think you said that you're going to be relaunching into uh, restaurants and bars now. Yes, that is our plan before the end of the year is to start um, pushing for on-premise. That is the plan, yes. And uh, just to let y'all know, Ego, uh, the Ego brand, uh, Ego Tequila, is reasonably priced um and i believe i said this before but i'll just say it again when you go to the liquor store and i'm sure y'all probably know especially our brewery <laughs> folks when you go to the store it is real estate so how much ever the person put paid to be on the top shelf they paid lots of money it's either they paid lots of money or that is the new great thing but you're yeah. missing out if you're not looking at the second and third show of something. Yeah. Um, and you Pay should really keep that in mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there are so, some brands, and I think even in the beer industry, there are brands that keep the lights on at distributors. Like, you know, they yeah. they cover everything for distributors. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's... um. It's saturated and it's definitely dominated by the bigger brands, but I mean, you know, we're trying out here. But that's just the try, but try something new, definitely. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, I, I know that I said it was my last question, but I have two more. So mm -hmm. I know that you were doing a relaunch. So have mm -hmm. you, has, have we had the relaunch where I can go to my local specs <laughs> or total wine and pick up some ego? Not yet. Not yet. It is. Um, yeah, we're working on it. By the end of the year, we will have a new relaunch. Um, okay. Again, I'm just trying to bring the people what they love. And um, I really just want to make sure I'm standing true on, you know, we have this tagline that we use on social media called top tier tequila. I want to make sure that I am standing on that. It has to be top tier. You know, it, it, that's, that's what I want people to enjoy. Like, I want them to have a really people to enjoy. Like I want them to have a really good, clean quality tequila. So 
it's coming. It's just taking a little bit of time. No, hey, good thing. Yeah, there's good things for those that wait. Oh, as absolutely. well as yeah. I think I'd mentioned to you about, um, and that'll probably maybe maybe year three or four mm-hmm. that someone will approach you to see if they could use your tequila barrels to make beer to um. To age to age their beer in those tequila barrels. So, I don't know a lot about beer. Do, do, does that happen? Do do you guys? Yeah, does beer age really. There's one that's real, real good. <laughs> uh, Adios Pantalones. And it's they a make beer? one that's yes, and they they make that beer just regular, but then they age it in tequila barrels. And I lost Whoa. It is I'm looking I'm looking at it now. Delicious. Wow. So yeah, they ha- they have two. That's that's just and that's okay. just one that I'm just thinking off outside of my head because I really do like adios pantalones. Yeah, um, that's a those are good collaborations. You know, we're really big on um collaborating with other brands or like doing cross promotion. Um a few about a year ago, I met the owner of Still Austin Whiskey, and I was telling mm-hmm. them, like, you know what? I mean, I'd love to use y'all's barrels. You know, that would be a really good way to, like, cross-promote. Um, I know Uncle Nearest did that with uh, 10 to 1 Rum. So that that's – I like that. That's that's a really cool way to, like, scale up your brand, mm-hmm. you know? And you have a couple of people out there in the audience. You have, Hannah's in the audience. She um, makes um, – she's in uh, – Ohio, and she makes wine. She's a winery and cidery, so that's oh. ciders. And I know we had talked about um, getting some barrels. So yeah, you might want to want to look her up. Her uh, the name of her her winery cidery is called Dope Dwelling on Positive Energy. Okay, and she's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. She's just a, a oh, kid okay. from Youngstown, Ohio. All right, I'm seeing her interview on Black Enterprise. Yeah, and then we have we have a uh, we got royalty in the room. We have Sean with Black Viking, which I'm gonna do this shameless plug in the middle of your interview. Please make sure y'all go and check out his Kickstarter. Uh, just a couple of it's maybe like four or five more days left. Whatever, whatever you can donate, donate. But I'm going to go also and open up the room to anyone who may have any questions for Ricky. Questions Hi, or Ricky, comments? This, go ahead. Hi, Ricky. Um, this is Jerry uh, with uh, ATX Gear. Two questions for you. One, I got, I, I'm glad you're on here. and I knew that you were coming on for some time. I got a chance to meet you at a particular share that we did at Turning Point. So it was great to meet yes. you and learn more about what you're doing. So I have two questions for you. One, what um, events do you do or will you be doing in the future that kind of educate people on tequila? Uh, mm-hmm. and educate on like where tequila is coming from, how it pairs with tea, those particular things. And the second mm-hmm. question is, will there ever be an ego mezcal? I'm sorry, uh, repeat the last question. I couldn't hear will it. Will there be an ego mezcal? Oh, mezcal, no, I'm not, mezcal is really smoky. <laughs> it's very smoky for me. Uh, I have not thought about that. Uh, I've definitely thought about doing like a seltzer or um, yeah, a seltzer um, or ready to drink, but mezcal, yeah, it's it's very smoky for me. And I've had it in several cocktails and I, I don't know, I just, I love the process behind it of making mezcal, but yeah, I don't know, I, I can't get into it. I can't get into it. And I want to stand behind something that I, that I, that, you know, that I produce. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I go down that road, but, um, to your first question, absolutely. Yes. That is my goal. Since we've switched distilleries, you know, we're working on getting certified additive free through tequila matchmaker. That is going to be, uh, one of the things that we tackle, uh, just going forward is educating people because a lot of people really don't know what they're drinking. Um, so there is a local uh, bartending company. Their name is Southern Pour. They do a lot of different events. And so we'll be working together on doing some tastings 
uh, like some in-depth tastings where people will sit down, you know, they'll have the whole tasting sheet and they'll have their, um, the tequilas that they'll try. And we'll, we'll just walk them through the, all the ins and outs of what, what you should look for in a really good tequila. Um, so yes, I'm definitely, that's something that we're definitely doing, we're doing in the future and that I'm looking forward to doing. Awesome. Thank you so much for it. Just want to let you know, the Mescal market is expected to grow between this year and 2020. So <laughs> while I understand that you may not personally drink it, I wouldn't rule it out just to say that. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's the only thing that my friend drinks. Is Mescal really? Uh, no, that, yes. that would be it. Yeah. No, I, you, you need someone else, not me. I, I no, no, not you. No, <laughs> I, have, no, I have a friend. That's what she. That is her preference. I was like, "What about the rest of?" But she wow. asked for that first. Which is have like, you had Mesco? I don't know. Have you had Mesco? I've had it. I've had it, but I think I had it with some other things. Okay. Um, I think I would need to have it in the same as a flight. Yeah. Um, to even. No, I know it has a smokiness, but you know, you're t- between myself and Jerry, we're 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 smoke hunters. We like things. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, if if there is some way where I could see, and I'm pretty sure there is out there, but um, just for it to be a little bit lighter, then I'll mm-hmm. look into it. But it's just that is very that's a but yeah, very were, powerful but- smoke. <laughs> like like Jesus, <laughs> and I can see it if I'm like I can't make something that I don't drink so I can't really tell yeah. you, okay it's good I'm like well they say it's good I don't know yeah. so I get that too <laughs> yeah. I mean but again I love the process behind making mezcal like, I don't know if you guys have seen it but you know like, the way they, they, they smoke all the agaves underneath the ground like with tequila you know it's all the agaves are cooked in uh, brick ovens but with mezcal it's all cooked underground kind of like how um, like um what does that mean like barbacoa i think sometimes they cook that underground too like you know i think that's pretty cool i think i like the way that they make it so but yeah i just i don't know mm-hmm. i'll think more about it yeah. <laughs> i like the way he snuck that data in though <laughs> that that's that's our jewelry yeah. so we gotta do <laughs> does anybody oh, else Lord. have any questions I do see some people in the, the, the comments or the chat that said uh, like yeah. A903 in Sulphur Springs. Okay, I see y'all. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm from uh, from Marshall. So um, I'm just going to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely uh, glad that you uh, were able to join the call. So I'm, I'm going to yeah. have to definitely line supporting that because, you know, in Texas, uh, we, we support yeah. our own out here. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, my family, I have a. My fam- my siblings on my father's side stay in Hugh Springs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely got to get get you out there. Um, so what's the? Um, I did have a question. What mm-hmm. different types uh, do you have? I know they usually have like the mayo and all that other stuff. Yeah. How many different? How many different ones do you have? Yeah. So right now we just have two. It's the blanco and reposado. Okay. But um, I am in the works of producing a uh, a rosé tequila. And the only reason why I'm going for rosé now and not a añejo is because I feel that my customer my customer base um, they're not really into like aged tequila like that's older than eight or nine months or like a reposado. Um, you know, my target audience or my customer base is predominantly women, minority women. Um, so they're not really into sipping tequilas. Um, yeah. So I turn it up. Mm -hmm. And I, when I went to, when I went back to Mexico in December, I got to taste a really good rosé tequila. And now I don't know if y'all have seen rosé. No, I've never heard of that. On the shelves. Mm -hmm. They, um, Cali Rosa, they have a tequila. But it has all kinds of coloring in it. Like you can tell it's fake. Like now that I know what I know, like I'm like, that is so fake. It is, it's so, um, it's just, it's just such a fake tequila. All the food coloring in it. Um, but a real rosé tequila, 
the ones that I'm looking at, they're, so it's basically Reposado tequila that's aged for eight months. And then they'll take the Reposado tequila and they'll age it for another six months in Hungarian rosé or Hungarian Cabernet barrels. And it has mm. such a good profile. I mean, such a good, clean, smooth tasting tequila. I mean, it is, it's really good. And I really think my customer base would enjoy that. So that's the next expression that we're looking to roll out. That sounds great. I'm okay. really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Well, just congratulations and keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, Ricky, I really appreciate you as well. Thank you so much for your giving us your time and energy and lots of information. Um, I really appreciate that. And just for people who will be going to listen to the replays, um, Ego Tequila is available in Texas mm-hmm. and we will be having a full-fledged launch, relaunching at the end of the year. But you can still get it in selected places. Mm-hmm. So it's still in some some uh, restaurants in the DFW area, as well as um, your Total Wine and your Specs. No, not not there yet. Well, okay, not there. <laughs> the best where, way. Where, where I, oh, go yeah. go ahead. If you're in, I, I have a feeling most of everyone is in the DFW area. So um, if you're in the Dallas area. Buddy's Booze in Lower Greenville, they carry us. Cheap River Liquor, which is off of Riverside, or Riverfront in Dallas, they carry us. And he was actually my very first retailer that picked me up. Um, I love Shezzy, the owner that's there. Um, it, he carries us. And then Flamingo Liquor in uh, near Oakland, they carry us as well. Okay. And then um, I'm not sure if, if you're in the Fort Worth area, we're still working on retailers, getting into retailers um, here. But if you've ever been to Hotel Dryce, Hotel Dryce carries us too. I've been trying to get over there. I've been trying oh to get gosh, over. Oh my gosh, you got to come over here. I know. Yeah, you'd I, love it. My my <laughs> brain is saying uh, I've been wanting to go there to listen to Frances J. She was supposed to be she was supposed mm. to be in residency for the first month, every Friday okay. of the first month, and I've missed it. But I mm. told myself that I think that um. One weekend, I'm just going to go and rent a hotel, rent a room, and just hang out in Fort Worth because there's so much stuff to do. You'd love it. Yes. But yeah, but just to let y'all know, that is a Black-owned hotel that... um, Beautiful hotel. They say, yeah, it's been revamped. It's just like amazing. Just like really wonderful. Yes. well, that was really it. That's all that I had. I wanted to also lay something. I do have. On. I do have one question. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go ahead, Ronnie. Um, with me being in um up here, I just have to get with Kendrick or Angie to give me a bottle and ship it up here to uh, Connecticut. <laughs> oh no, uh, we are rolling out uh, online shipping too. It's coming in the uh, end of September. So I would also just let y'all know if you just follow us on like social media, we will always update everybody on what's going on with the brand and like, you know, any new stories we're getting into. Um, that would be the best way just to like find out like any new updates or any events that we're putting on. But yes, we do have shipping coming soon. Please stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I don't know, Ricky. Um, have you? I'm trying to find, it and I'll mm-hmm. probably have to end up uh, inboxing you. No there worries. is a black-owned spirits festival. They just had one, and they're kind of going in different parts of the country. I think one's uh-huh. going to be in Detroit, and one is going to be somewhere else. It's between. Um, it's. I thought the, actually- it was just. A menagerie of spirits. Yeah, like there's there's quite a few black owned um, like spirits festivals. There's there's quite a few of them. I'm supposed to be uh, at the Clink Fest in Chicago. That's coming up to, in September. Um, that okay. It's put on. Mm-hmm. It's put on by a winery brand, a black owned winery brand. Um, love love your corkscrew. Or, Something like that. It's a wine. It's a it's a wine brand, but they they host it. 
Yeah, there's okay. quite a few of them out there. Asante, Asante Festival is one too. Um, yeah, there's a ton actually. Well, not a ton, but there's like a handful of them and they're out there. More than I knew. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that um, you're connecting in that way as well. But thank you again. Thank you for everyone who joined and shared. And um, I know that we went over a little bit, but I oh. it was great information. <laughs> no, it's, it was me because I kept on asking you questions. Yeah, no worries. I loved it. Please. <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you, everyone. Again, this is Angie, uh, the Undeniable Vixen. Thank you for joining us for being Black and Craft, where our mantra is we don't apologize for recognizing our influence on craft beer. And y'all have an amazing night. Mm -hmm.